I have invited two folks from our congregation to reflect on and speak on the relationship between work and faith in their lives. And this is also an invitation to every one of us here this morning to join in that reflection, to reflect on how work and faith intersect in our own lives. And I know that there are many folks here this morning who are retired also, but I know from what I see every week that folks who are retired labor as well in the church and in other volunteer roles. And so uh, this applies to your labors as well. So I hope that this will spark your own reflection on your, your experience of working and your faith. Dave Atkinson. I work in the AV booth back there. Usually I'm behind the scenes in that booth. This thing on? <laughs> I'm sorry, I just had to do that. <laughs> so, okay, let's uh, get something out in the open up front. I work for a multinational, for-profit, large corporation. Make no bones about it. The bottom line is making as much money as we can in as many places as we, as we can, as honestly as we can, and uh, where and how, asking ourselves how and where can we make more. That's the fundamental business of most corporations in our economic system here. That, whoop, can't do that. That being said, the next thing one has to consider is whether you feel good or bad about the products and services your company provides and the company's ethics you have to work within. I think most people will find that their company, you know, what they sell is useful and their, their company operates in an ethical manner. My company sells laboratory equipment and supplies for, for basic biological research and for medical diagnostic testing. A couple of questions came to mind while preparing this. One is, uh, where does my Christian faith fit into this money-making enterprise? And how does my Christian faith fit within science and technology? I'm not sure that I have direct answers to, this, to these questions here, but hopefully by the, by the end, maybe they'll become apparent. I love science. Up until a few years ago, it was my only religion, how that changed is really a, a topic for another day. Uh, but suffice it to, to say that science is concerned with only with things that can be measured. But scientists are human with lives off the job, and they all share a desire to understand nature. And hopefully most of us will use that understanding to find ways to improve lives and protect the environment. So, okay, yeah, I'm cool with the products and services we sell. Uh, products for, for improving and maintaining the health of patients. And the money thing, working for the man. Well, once it bothered me that in the New Testament there seemed this seeming tolerance of slavery in the scriptures. Uh, but eventually, and I, I am admittedly a bit thick about things like this, but the importance of the scriptures 
to modern life eventually sank in and I relaxed. We are all slaves of a sort with human masters to serve masters who have their masters, but uh, all of whom are, are called to be servants of God. It's just part of taking care of one's own flesh, rendering unto Caesar what Caesar's, and at the end of the day, having something left to share. So there's my perspective. Do my job well, and while I'm at it, serve God any way I can, on the job and off. Serve people in, in ways, in business, serve people in business in ways that also serve God. So about my job, the details, my career, since having left the academic world, has always been a ministry of sorts. Basically, I'm a tech support guy. No longer one of the brave souls who answer the telephone and talk directly with customers. I did my time there. Uh, but the next level up, tech support phone people from all over the world call me when the answers they have aren't enough. I train them how to troubleshoot blood testing devices. I train the service engineers how to repair them. Through these activities, I can keep an eye on product quality so we can make improvements and develop new products. It's meaningful work that impacts people's lives. As long as your work is meaningful, you'll be happy in it, and I'm truly thankful to God for that. How I ended up doing that is from a curious trait picked up while doing postdoctoral research here at the School of Medicine. Um, a colleague noticed that people were always coming to me asking for help on one thing or another, the fluorescence microscope, the gel scanner, the DNA amplification equipment, things like that. And seeing that I had no financial future in basic research and desperately needing to support my family, I landed a tech support job at a large supplier of biotech equipment and supplies. Now my career didn't hang on publishing a big discovery which is really quite rare in the basic science world. I is now financially secure in an industry that profits by providing goods and services to scientists, whether they profit by their work or not. It's a little like arms dealing, but usually nobody gets hurt. I find my faith has worked its way into my work in four fundamental ways. Seeking justice for patients, and laboratory technicians at the crossroads of safety and corporate profit by ensuring accurate and timely test results from equipment that is safe to operate. Loving kindness. I try my best to listen, really, really listen to the technical problems I've been asked to solve and the personal problems that sometimes come in between. Walking humbly with my God, I resist snarkiness best I can. I try. Uh, I, it's kind of a bad habit. Uh, I encourage others to achieve, even if I'm stuck where I am. And I'm always, always respectful and friendly and open to everyone in the organization at every level. And every customer, we are all God's children, whether maybe some of them have discovered it or not. And all labor is honorable, which is why we celebrate today. And there's a bonus to being a scientist. It really helps, but I'm not sure this is obvious to other folks. The scientific community is highly diverse, and it provides me endless opportunities to get to know and appreciate other cultures. This is made possible because we speak the same language, and we have the same love 
and desire to understand nature, and we know how much we need each other for that to happen. Finally, it's a high-pressure job. When the going gets tough, I remind myself that if I stop and listen to God, I'll be fine and I'll weather any storm. My career path was late to begin and costly and long in its development. It's getting closer to its end and seems to have served no great purpose, so far as I can tell. Unless it already has, and I didn't know about it, So I will continue to stay alert, listening to God in prayer, that all this is in preparation for something bigger yet to come. I think if we pulled out some of Dave's equipment right now and put on the blood pressure reading, it would be shooting up through the roof for me. I'm not a public speaker, and I told the earlier service that when I was in junior high school, uh, we had to do an elective series, and one of them was drama. I was so afraid of stepping foot on stage that I got the award of hidden treasure from that. In September 2005, UC Davis's then-Chancellor Larry Vanderhoof um, said, Today, it seems that the art of deep listening, of hearing and honoring another person's perspective, is perhaps a fading art. I'm absolutely convinced that if we could simply sit down together and truly listen, we'd be taking a giant step toward peace in the world. With those words, Chancellor Vanderhoff uh, launched the My Personal Compass initiative, inviting campus community members to write brief essays on what what beliefs guide their daily lives, and then to thoughtfully consider the perspective of others. Eight years ago, I submitted an essay to that collection titled Guided by Faith, And my personal compass hasn't changed much since that time. In fact, this was a memento of the personal compasses that were given to the folks who had submitted essays. I keep it hanging in my office as a reminder to um, reflect on my faith as I do my work. I feel that I have been called in my work to try to emulate Christ as much as possible. As many of you know, I work in student housing where my job ultimately is to help Students transfer from home and the safety that that provides into college life. Sometimes helping students transition means also helping their parents transition, and it also involves helping parents sometimes cope with crisis situations. Like Methodists, I and my staff work to provide radical hospitality. I got a glimmer of how parents feel when dropping their children off to college, When I delivered my three precious children to camp at the United Methodist Camp Lodestar this summer, Despite the solemn and heartfelt goodbyes I anticipated as we prepared for a six-day departure, I had to track down my children to get a perfunctory hug and a kiss as they happily followed their camp counselors off to the first of many adventures. Uh, Their camp counselors were wonderful and knew each child by name, made each child feel special, and uh, clearly loved their work. I, too, love my work. And most of the time, with most of the people, I find creating an environment of radical hospitality easy. But sometimes, practicing radical hospitality is more challenging than others. My guess is that at some point during camp, those patient, loving, and spirit-filled Methodist camp counselors struggled to help a child cope with homesickness or injury or lack of connectedness. As I reflect on the day that I wrote this message, the uh, challenges of practicing radical hospitality grew 
as the phones in the reception area were ringing off the hooks. Housing assignments had gone out that morning, and students and parents were calling to complain for various reasons. Some were concerned about room style, like getting a triple or not getting the single that they had wanted. And the office staff is very adept at addressing those concerns. But others called to complain for reasons steeped in bias and assumptions. One mother called because her daughter wasn't, uh, was placed in a specialty community that focused on Asian Pacific American issues and was going to feel uncomfortable being one of few white people. Another called because he didn't want to live with an international student. Another phoned in because he was passionate about Israeli students and was placed with a student from Qatar who was equally passionate about Palestinian issues. With no other information, the student was, was concerned for his safety and was convinced that he was in danger. By 2.30, I was called in when a student who requested the Rainbow Community, which is supportive of the LGBT population, asked to be moved out because her parents were not comfortable with this choice. Every year, calls like these come in. I even had parents protesting that we honored the request of their transgender student and refused to pay if their child was not moved to a, quote, normal community. In times like these, I call upon my faith to act with love and compassion, even in the face of discrimination and bias. I remind myself that these parents and students are calling out of fear. I remind myself that God gave us each free will to act and choose as we believe, and that by acting with kindness and compassion in the face of hatred, I am working toward emulating Christ's actions. These situations, which are my responsibility to resolve, call upon me to believe in the power of good and to believe that people can change. I get to help foster growth, and I get to be in a position to help foster connections between people who would otherwise never connect. And when I am concerned for the marginalized student, I get to help make their situation better without them ever knowing that something was wrong. I am thankful to God that I have the opportunity to do what I think Christ would want me to do in those situations. There are countless happy times in my work, but it is often the sad ones that call upon the reserves of my faith. One very sad time that comes to mind was when a student with autism committed suicide in his room. One of my staff members found the student, and I worked to support that staff member through the post-traumatic stress this caused. The parents were traveling to campus before the student was found, and I was there to give them the tragic news of his death when they arrived. I stayed with the parents for hours as they grieved and as they informed family. I arranged for the student's twin brother to get extensions from his finals from UC Santa Cruz so that he could come home. I arranged for the student's belongings to be packed and cleaned, and I helped organize a memorial service on campus that was attended by the parents as well. I had daily contact with the family for many weeks and intermittent contact with them even now. This horrible event happened on a Tuesday, and I came to Tasty Tuesdays to mourn and to pray for this family. I was nurtured by my church community and surrounded by the love I wish for all. The loss of the student grieves me to this day, but I turned to my faith so that I could be a strength and support to others. After two weeks of grieving, the parents, aunt, uncle, and grandparents of the student came to pick up the student's belongings. I had everything organized, cleaned, and pressed, but there was no amount of organization that was going to make this terrible loss any better. I met them to get the belongings, and when the parents introduced me to the rest of the family, they said, this is Lisa, 
She's the ambassador to UC Davis, and the, and the university couldn't have a better one. I don't think of myself as the ambassador to UC Davis, but I do hope that every student and parent and staff member that I interact with knows that I care about them. God's love and grace sustain me, and my goal at work is to convey that love and grace to others, even in the most difficult times. My work is guided by my faith, and both during the easy times and those times when I'm challenged by bias and grief, it truly is a labor of love.